Welcome to Chiropractic Science, where you get to hear interviews with leading chiropractic researchers from around the world. Hear about chiropractic research from the authors in plain English, not through the media nor a middleman. My name is Dr. Dean Smith, and I am the host of Chiropractic Science. I am a clinical professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Health at Miami University, and I'm also a chiropractor in Eaton, Ohio. My research interests relate to understanding how chiropractic affects motor control and human performance. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Dr. Joyce Miller. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to thank all of you who have subscribed to Chiropractic Science, and I'm especially appreciative to all of you who have contributed five-star reviews on iTunes. iTunes really helps others find out about chiropractic science. So if you like the show, please take a second and write a review. It will support chiropractors everywhere. Dr. Peter Angrelli writes, as a practicing chiropractor, I really appreciate Dr. Dean Smith's Chiropractic Science podcast. It's a great way to learn about new research and hear discussions with the actual investigators to see how findings may relate to clinical practice and directions for future studies. I like listening to better understand exactly how my care may benefit my patients and the mechanisms of how it may work. Thanks, Dr. Dean. Keep the, the episodes coming. Well, thank you, Dr. Peter Angrelli, for your feedback and your review. I look forward to sharing your chiropractic science review on a future podcast episode. Please share the podcast with your friends and your colleagues so we can get this out to more and more people. All right, on to the podcast. Well, let's get on to the interview with Dr. Joyce Miller. Joyce Miller, semi-retired, is a guest pediatrics researcher at AECC University College, Bournemouth, England. She previously worked full-time as lead tutor for MSC Musculoskeletal Health of Pediatrics, undergrad pediatrics, and evidence-based clinical practice at AECC University College. An associate professor, she pioneered the busy infant and child practice in the teaching clinic approximately 25 years ago at AECC. She is a busy researcher and has authored more than 80 articles published in peer-reviewed journals and conducted over 180 seminars worldwide. She was a certified Brazelton neonate examiner awarded from Cambridge University and a diplomat of the Royal College Pediatrics and Child Health Nutrition Program and a fellow of the Royal College of Chiropractors and British Chiropractic Association. Along with Bournemouth University's midwifery team from the School of Health and Social Care in 2013 has developed an AECCBU breastfeeding clinic located on the university campus. This is an interdisciplinary clinic where midwives and chiropractors and students manage difficult feeding cases together and learn together. She focuses on the care of the neonate and infants, obtaining her PhD in musculoskeletal health of the infant in 2013. She has undergraduate degrees in education and psychology and a postgraduate diplomate in chiropractic orthopedics. She authored the textbook, or the book, rather, Evidence-Based Chiropractic Care for Infants in 2019, co-edits the journal Clinical Chiropractic Pediatrics, and continues to mentor graduate students. Dr. Miller, thanks so much for coming on the Chiropractic Science Podcast. Thank you, Dean, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure indeed, and uh, I'm really excited to hear all of the amazing uh, research that you've been up to and 
talk about your textbook and all that sort of stuff. So how about we start, uh, I normally like to ask uh, all my guests, how you became interested first in becoming a chiropractor? Yes, that's always an interesting question, isn't it? Because we come at it from such disparate backgrounds. Uh, well, as you said, I had an undergraduate degree in education and psychology, and I was a part-time teacher, but I was really uh, also a professional athlete. And this was back in the day, of course, many years ago. And uh, during that, of course, it, when you're involved deeply in athletics, you tend to get injuries. And I got an injury, never heard of a chiropractor, was scheduled for knee surgery when my staff basically picked me up and put me in a car and took me to a chiropractor because I didn't know what they were or what they did, but I was sure I didn't want to go to one. And uh, in fact, I had wonderful results and had the and didn't have to have surgery and ended up performing much better than I'd ever done before because more than likely for the first time I was in musculoskeletal system was in balance. So I so that moved on and I didn't think anything more about it and my career continued until uh, I it was it was getting time to go on to move on to a wider career and I was uh, thinking that I should go into medicine. And during this time, I also was involved in, because I was a cross-country skier, and that was my field of choice, and a cyclist as well, uh, I was doing programs in for major medical conferences where they would hire me to come in and teach their clinicians how to ski or uh, perhaps how to take care of their skis or whatever it was that their needs were in their off time. Um, they had great medical conferences because they, they had the conference very early in the morning from 6, 7, 8, 9 a.m., and then they skied all day, and then they came back to conference in the evening. I always thought we should adopt that system in chiropractic care. In any event, I was working with a cardiologist, and uh, I we really became friends. And I said, well, would you consider helping me into medical school? Because I'm realizing I need a real career. And um, he said, and I will never forget his words, he said, of course, I'll help you do that. Uh, and he was very high in the field, and I suspect he could have done that successfully. But he said, I think you should really consider chiropractic. He says, that is the field of the future, because people are getting tired of surgery and medications that don't work and the high death rates from medicine, and they want conservative care. And uh, it really struck me uh, because I had this experience with chiropractic care. And so as time evolved and went on, I actually took his advice and enrolled in chiropractic college at Northwestern, which is now Northwestern Health Sciences University in Bloomington, Minnesota, and, and never looked back. Uh, I agree with him. It's a wonderful career. That's really fantastic. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I'll just piggyback on is that I got into chiropractic as well because of a knee injury. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And so, all right, so you went to Northwestern. And were you out in practice for a while before you uh, started teaching and doing research? How did that transition go? Yes, I practiced in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, 
wonderful place to practice and live and uh, ride your bike and ski in the winter. And uh, with Dr. Dennis King, who is still there doing, having a wonderful practice in, uh, in car, wonderful, huge practice in chiropractic care. And you should actually interview him. And uh, so I was practicing there for 10 years and it was, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then Northwestern came calling and said that they needed uh, some input in their clinics. They had five big clinics where they were educating their students. And would I come and just assist them for a while and see if we can get some a little uh, more going on in these clinics? Because as you know, student clinics can be can be difficult at times. And uh, although they were big and wonderful clinics, and so I did. I went to Northwestern, back to Northwestern. And as it turned out, I did a satisfaction survey there among the patients. Now, this was in the early 90s before satisfaction was cool. I mean, satisfaction is probably the gold standard in healthcare right now. Uh, but at that time, we weren't thinking very much about patient satisfaction. Uh, but of course, I was because we were looking at whether our patients were satisfied with the clinical care that our students and our faculty were giving them. And um, so that led, that's what led me to the UK, really, because uh, I ended up submitting that to a conference in the UK and realized um, what an amazing practices and education was happening in the UK in chiropractic care. And so it was really that satisfaction survey that got me there. Uh, so I had always intend to go back to Green Bay, Wisconsin. I still intend to go back to Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I've taken a 30-year leave of absence. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Now, I'm just curious uh, so that we can maybe prelude what's to come, but w was your practice involving a lot of uh, uh, pediatric care at that point in time? Um, yes, I did have pediatric care, not as much as it evolved in the infant population, um, because although I did have infants in care and I was lucky to have Dr. Sue Esch as one of my pediatric instructors at Northwestern, because I don't think that a lot of schools were giving much pediatric education. So yes, I did have pediatric care, but not a lot of care. I really had a lot of, uh, what's called phebiatrics, the, um, teenagers, um, because um, we also worked with the Green Bay Packers at the time. I couldn't, I couldn't say that for 10 years, but now that's many, many, many years ago. And uh, so the teenagers would come in and they'd recognize the Packers sitting there. And they'd, so I think that was, I think that was one of the main reasons they came to our practice. Um, but anyway, yes, I had a pediatric practice, but nothing as vibrant um, as evolved in the UK once I moved there. Gotcha. So you started uh, working at Anglo-European College, and then what was it, uh, what was it about teaching or uh, your experiences there that led you to pursue the PhD? Yes, well, of course, um, what, I, what I really went there to do was to work with their orthopedics program because I had a diplomate in orthopedics and they felt that they wanted to revitalize their orthopedics program. And that was 
honestly, I think, why they hired me in their clinical program. Um, but once I did that, I saw that their pediatric practice was very small and budding, but um, they, I just, so when I was done with orthopedics, I said, well, do you want me to start your, get, not start it, but get your pediatrics program off the ground? Because I realized I really enjoyed practicing there, teaching there, working in the clinic there, and uh, so wanted to keep it going. And, um, and then they said, yes. And of course, I'm a big believer in pediatric research. And uh, there's a story behind that, too, if I might. Um, Absolutely. Please. My brother, when I was growing up in the middle of North Dakota farm family, my brother had uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, uh, a, a, a really difficult disorder, and especially for him because he was, um, he, he did have a lot of musculoskeletal affliction from it. In any event, um, he was selected for a randomized controlled trial out of Mayo Clinic, of course, which we'll all recognize as one of the most uh, vibrant medical clinics in the world then and today. And um, But the unfortunate part of that was that um, he actually died from the treatment. They didn't realize then that cortisone, which was the treatment arm that he was in was actually deadly for the kidneys. And unfortunately, it destroyed his kidneys and he died at a young age. You can imagine devastating for me and the family. But what I learned from that is that research is essential to healthcare, and that if you don't do research, you can't do good health care. Sometimes you have unfortunate side effects from that. And of course, everyone learned from that. Um, and so I became very interested in research of the pediatric patient because I felt it improved their life. I wanted that research to be very conservative so that we wouldn't have these adverse events. And in fact, I've done quite a lot of research in side effects and adverse events um, from chiropractic care, which I will say there are None. It is a very, very safe form of treatment. But I really wanted to do the research because I know that research keeps children safe. I know that research keeps clinicians safe, chiropractic field safe. And so I really wanted to do the research and ended up getting a PhD in the musculoskeletal health of the infant, uh, which is very specialized care. Because at the time in the AACC clinic, we were seeing about 12,000 pediatric cases a year, um, which is quite a few. It's a big clinic. It's a big clinic. It's, they have 60,000 patients a year. So, uh, 20% were pediatrics and, um, 80% of that 12,000 were infants. And that's why, uh, we specialized in that and of course infants are the highest users of healthcare in any pediatric practice so there was reason to focus on that group okay yeah uh i can see now That's a long answer to a short <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate that and it gives good background uh, because you've had 
you know, such a, an interesting uh, journey, it seems, from the United States over to England. And I was trying to put all the pieces together. So this is really helping, <laughs> helping me understand uh, how you've gotten to do what you do. And you have such a, an amazing skill set. So fantastic. Uh, so you've done some really important work in the field of chiropractic care for infants and children, um, breastfeeding, all, all sorts of topics. We're going to discuss a few of the papers that I think will get us into your research. And then I'd also like to talk about your book, Evidence-Based Chiropractic Care for Infants. I'd like to learn uh, much more about that. So how about we get started with a few of your papers, and maybe that will get us into the book after. Um, so the first paper uh, was from 2009. This is JMPT, and it's titled Long-Term Effects of Infant Colic, a Survey Comparison of Chiropractic Treatment and Non-Treatment Groups. If you could guide us through this paper, and then we'll have maybe a little discussion after that, that would be great. Yes, um, that was uh, that was particularly interesting, and this is one of the uh, it's frequently accessed paper from what I understand, um, and I think this is because there is well, I won't say considerable, but quite a bit of research that the effects of excessively crying baby or infant colic are long term. They've now traced it up to eleven years of age. And so we had the idea in our clinic, since we had a large infant practice of those we had treated successfully for colic, that if we could find a control group or a group that wasn't treated for colic uh, as infants, and then we could look at them in the long term as toddlers, we would be able to tell whether chiropractic care have helped not just in the short term, but in the long term. Uh, it's, these are difficult studies to do, as you can imagine. Uh, impossible to do that in a randomized controlled trial, but you could do it in, uh, in, in the comparison study that we did. So we found we had 117 infants that um, where we could locate the families of children that we had treated, six infants we had treated successfully with chiropractic care for infant colic. Their parents had said that they were recovered. And then we found another group, approximately 111, I believe it was, in, um, in some in chartered infant schools and toddler schools where the uh, parents gave the history that they had had colic as infants, but they had never been treated by chiropractors. They could have been medically treated, but medicine doesn't actually have a treatment for infant colic, so that we were only worried about whether they had had chiropractic care or not. And then we gave a survey, uh, which is how you do most types of research, and asked the parents about the behaviors in the toddlers. And lo and behold, and I was even surprised about this, the children, the toddlers who had had chiropractic care, slept better, woke in the night less, had fewer temper tantrums, had better behavior uh, during the day with specific types of questions we asked them. And basically, 
did better all around, had fewer doctor visits than the children, than the toddlers who had had colic but had never been treated and possibly never resolved. Um, and so we, we did that study. And I tell you, I didn't believe it the first time I did the study. So we did it two more times. <laughs> because <laughs> Wait a because, second. <laughs> because I thought, well, that's what, you know, good researchers check their research. And you think, well, was this chance? Was this bias? Was this, you're always, you always want to do the highest quality research you can because you're looking for the real answer. You're not trying to justify your care. Um, you're just really looking for the absolute truth as to whether this makes a difference or not. And uh -huh. um, so I, we felt we felt satisfied and that it made a difference. And of course, um, GMPT is a very credible, high quality journal, and they were willing to take the article. And that's a you know highly regarded peer reviewed journal. So we felt that we had also done the research to a level that uh, was meaningful. And um, so it's, it's been a, it's, it's been very, um, it's been a very useful piece of research to suggest that chiropractic care has not only short-term effects for crying babies, but long-term effects as well. Yeah, and I, I really like the progression of studies that you went through, and we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the other studies as well. So it's a really interesting study, though, the one that you just went through with the survey, a couple of things. One, I didn't realize all of the potential long-term consequences of colicky behavior either. So when I was reading through your paper, uh, I learned uh, from the discussion about how these things could, you know, last. I, and I didn't realize it was up to 11 years what they've documented. So that's really interesting as well. And the temper tantrums, and I suspect, you know, that kind of research may be somewhat difficult to do. So who knows what other kind of complications as well that uh, that aren't told about at this point. Are you? Yes, it is difficult research to do, and it's primarily the Germans who are doing that long-term research and seeing that um, this isn't just a, you know, it's not a one-off. It's not, it isn't 12 weeks colic like they say it is. It's, right. Well, it is for, I'm sure it is for some children, um, but it isn't for all children. It's about 50-50%, I believe. Okay. Are you aware of any other studies uh, looking at conservative care for, for colic? And are there any studies suggesting an effect similar to chiropractic or near as long? Well, uh, there's nothing, uh, I, nothing that I'm aware of, uh, and I hope if anyone knows, they will let me know, um, that uh, shows this sort of long-term effect. Um, there is uh, some small amount of evidence that a probiotic, L-ruteri, may help infants, crybabies cry who are breastfed, which is a small group anyway, because breastfed babies are much healthier than uh, formula-fed babies, which is why we're working so hard to allow mothers to breastfeed their babies and allow infants to breastfeed because it is such such a healthy choice. Um, so there's a little bit of evidence that uh, a probiotic is helpful for that. Um, there is uh, some modicum of evidence that acupuncture might be helpful, uh, but there's no evidence that any of this is long-term. Hmm. Fascinating. 
Yeah, so let's let's talk about the next paper because this is a an RCT. So this is the efficacy of chiropractic manual therapy on infant colic, a pragmatic single blind randomized controlled trial. And this was also published in JMPT in 2012. So could you tell us uh, uh, what your progression was from that previous study to this one, and then tell us about this study? Uh, Well, I will say between this and that study, there were many other studies. (laughs) I had a hard time picking out which ones to send you because (laughs) we've done a lot of research. That's great. In in any event, a randomized controlled trial is considered very high-level research, the highest level of research. Um, except for a systematic review, which puts all the randomized controlled trials together. And uh, the randomized controlled trials are just what they say. They are, you randomize your infants, so these are crybabies, into groups, into a treatment group and a controlled group. And uh, it is best if everyone is blinded, but it is impossible to blind chiropractic care because the chiropractor knows whether or not they've treated or not. And so the parents need to be blinded. Um, And in this case, we tested both the treatment of chiropractic care for the infant to see if it really works because some of our detractors were saying, well, yes, there's evidence that chiropractic care works for crybabies, but it isn't really the chiropractic care. It's that you have nice, fancy offices and that you're, you know, nice people and you're pleasant with the patient parents and maybe you give them a cup of tea or something and it makes them say that the babies are better when in fact they're not better. So we didn't think that was the case, but we wanted to test it and we wanted because we wanted to find out the answer. Is it really the manual therapy? Now, there's good reason it might have been the treatment because birth trauma is the highest risk for infant colic. So these children have been through a difficult birth, and this may be why they have discomfort and pain and need musculoskeletal care. So we wanted to test whether it was really the treatment. We also wanted to test whether blinding in the parents made a difference because Unfortunately, there are many studies of chiropractic care for colic babies, but they're discredited because they didn't blind the parents. Because, of course, you can't, it's unethical to separate a baby from their parent and take them away. Uh, You can't do that. Uh, Certainly not in healthcare. Apparently, we can do that in the border, but you can't do it in healthcare. And so our we wanted to test the blinding because our theory was all parents are blind. They're confused, exhausted, anxious. They haven't slept in ages. Uh, the baby cries all the time. They wonder if they're getting fed enough. They're worried about everything. The family gets disrupted. And so we feel that they can't really say whether their baby was treated or not, and nor do they care. They just want to solve the problem. And unfortunately, they've been to uh, lots of other clinicians before they get to us who are being told, well, there is no problem. You know, they'll get over it in 12 weeks, which we've already discussed that a lot of them don't. Um, so we te- wanted to test those two questions. And um, when you use randomization 
and it allows any baby to get in either group, then you can accurately answer that question because it takes out the bias. And so we did test those questions. We had three groups, those that were treated with chiropractic care and observed by the parent, those who were treated with chiropractic care and and not observed, the parent couldn't see them. And then we had a control group, which were not treated and, in fact, were not touched uh, by the clinician. But it was implied that they were. In, and we did, and we tested them at eight and 10 days. We didn't want the trial to go on forever because we uh, wanted to make sure it was actual the manual therapy and not just a, the time that had passed. You can't say, well, I treated this baby for 12 weeks and then he got well. Uh, the thing we know from this trial and from all kinds of other treatments and tr- treatment times and trials is that chiropractic care for, works for these children and it works almost right away. On average, after 1.1 treatments, the baby is better, and the parent states the baby is better. We used crying diaries, which is the gold standard way to assess this. And so in that trial, we were able to prove two things, and randomized controlled trials are the only trials that you can say that you have proven something. We proved that it is actually the chiropractic care that helps, and we proved that blinding makes no difference. The babies who were treated got better approximately the same whether the parent was blinded or not. Uh, so that was a that was a very useful trial, and we gave every baby a cuddly toy for participating. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and it's the only time I ever got to write the terms cuddly toy in any of my... In, in I'm of jealous my- now. I'm jealous. I'm going to have to <laughs> come up with something. <laughs> I'll give my uh, university uh, participants a cuddly toy. That, that'll be I awesome. Think I, I, I highly recommend it, yes. <laughs> now, so... The results are, I mean, they're dramatic. Uh, five times less likely to mm-hmm. to cry uh, with getting chiropractic care. That's amazing. Yes. It's right. It's it's good results. Well, you know, I mean, I think every, every if there's anybody listening to this, any chiropractic care person and any chiropractor in the world who treats crybabies sees it help and it helps overnight and. Parents always come back and say, oh, my God, what did you do? You gave me back a different baby. I mean, they're so impressed. The problem is that only the parents know and only the chiropractors know. And if you don't do randomized controlled trials, it it really is down to the science. The science has to uh, support it um, because it's, you know, it's essential that uh, we get the science right. And so I'm comfortable advising mothers of crybabies to go see a chiropractor because we it works. We know it works. And we know, and of course, there's about uh, seven or eight other studies that do show this as well. Uh, because we designed this in such an interesting way, we were able to, uh, it was a little bit unique. But there are other studies which do have the same result. Well, I, I, again, I thank you for coming on the podcast because that's what the podcast is all about, trying to get chiropractic science 
out into the mainstream, get as many people to hear about it as possible. So thanks again for that. Well, thank you for doing the science because it is, without the science, I mean, we know that chiropractors have been successful because people love to go. But you really do need, when you, you do need to back up your treatment with true science, with real science. Yep, absolutely. So what do you think are the mechanisms? I'm, I'm sure you get to ask this a lot. <laughs> but what do you think are the mechanisms uh, responsible for these babies crying significantly less with chiropractic care? Well, Dean, I'm going to have to refer you to my book because I have an entire chapter on it. And uh, it's, it, it, it's not simple because no one knows the exact mechanism. But... Um, it's fairly straightforward if you if you look at it if from the fact that the highest risk for these babies is a difficult birth and we get lots of babies sent directly from the hospital to us because they've had a difficult birth because they started to realize locally that they could preempt some of these problems like breastfeeding problems crying problems inability to sleep in any inability to sleep on their back and it's because they have a musculoskeletal biomechanical injury and the baby has pain and discomfort and they may not at first recognize it as pain. But of course, it's easy to find where the restrictions or the uh, issue with the, you know, MSK biomechanical arena is. And we know that, I mean, the World Health Organization states that half of the people in the world have got musculoskeletal disorders that are severe enough to seek health care, and that 25% of the entire health care dollar goes for those disorders. Now, of course, they're talking about uh, older children and adults, but it would be age discrimination to say this doesn't happen to babies, and we that's and we see it in babies, and that's why you can literally turn it off. You can see the baby and they are miserable and then you can treat and then they are not miserable. For one thing, they haven't had the condition very long and they haven't adapted to it and they have no psychological reason to stay unhappy. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I, I think, you know, that's why I'm just so interested in in uh, infant care in general. Uh, it's not a population I deal with a lot in my own practice, but I've, I've certainly seen a lot of infants over the last 20 some odd years in practice. But it's, I think it's just fascinating for, for many of those reasons. And I think also just, uh, 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 we'll say a, a missed opportunity to do more research by more chiropractors, let's say, uh, you've been very active in this field, and thank heavens for that. Uh, but we need a lot more. Um, we do. We do. And there isn't any reason that every chiropractor in their practice cannot do research because now parent-reported outcomes are, or proms, it's, it's expected that every clinician can justify their care. 
And so in adult care, we all, I think we've all done it. I'm sure you certainly have in your practice have done patient reported outcomes. And so we do that with parent reported outcomes in infant care now um, so that anyone who wants to find out whether their care is really working. I mean, we all, we all want to know, don't we, that our care works. But the fact is, if you don't ask the patient, you won't really know. And no one much cares anymore if the doctor, you know, we're done with that era where, you know, the surgery was successful, but the patient died. That era is gone. Right. <laughs> we are now, it doesn't matter if the, if the chiropractor says, yes, they got better. If the parent doesn't say they got better, if the parent doesn't recognize in the child different behaviors, um, abilities to crawl, walk, whatever, uh, you know, the mother is only as happy as her unhappiest child. And when a baby is unhappy, when her child is unhappy or miserable, she's not happy either. And she is, turns out, the research shows that she is the best reporter of the, of the problems with the child. And so we can count on that and we can all use that uh, in research because, because we do have instruments that are valid, reliable, and we can all use this in our own offices um, with research. And I encourage your listeners to do this. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I'd encourage them to publish as well, publish case series or case studies, yeah. get it out there. So would I, and we are, we are with the uh, Journal of Chiropractic Clinical Pediatrics is here to help them. It's kind of a starter journal for uh, clinicians who have case reports or have uh, things they found in their practice that might be very difficult to get. You couldn't get it in the Lancet or New England Journal of Medicine or even in you know, a chiropractically dedicated journal, but uh, you, can, you can get it in a, in a starter journal like that because it's other chiropractors reading other chiropractors' work. And, um, and it's very straightforward to do, do that. And so I, I think you are spot on, Dean. Keep advising them to write up their case studies and to do some research in their practices. Great. Now, before we leave this uh, topic, uh, this article in particular, I am curious, and I'm sure the listeners are curious as well, particularly those who may not be chiropractors. They may be patients. They're just curious about... Uh, colicky babies and their own baby, and maybe have never been to a chiropractor before, can you describe what the chiropractic care looked like or consisted of? Um, well, yes, I can. And of course, we have written full articles about this too, and it's very much uh, available in the, uh, on the internet and in the landscape and in, the, and in my book and in the journal articles. Um, but yes, the um, uh, parents will often now, of course, there's some, a lot of awareness that chiropractic care is helpful for babies, but not everyone is aware of that. And some people may have a fear about it because they have seen, uh, chiropractic care of an adult and they may feel that, that it's just too forceful for their baby. And of course, that would be true because, uh, the, the care for the baby is adapted to the size uh, and the robustness of the child. So when the baby comes in, they get a full exam 
and uh, making sure the baby is healthy and doesn't have any pathological condition that would be the cause of whatever their problem is. Uh, they get uh, a very thorough examination. We show the parent where the problem is. Uh, they often can't necessarily sense it the way that we can because uh, we have highly sensitive hands and fingers that we can tell where there is an irritation in the joint. And the treatment is very low force, uh, about what you could stand on your eyeball for a, a infant, a newborn child. It's about two newtons of pressure. Uh, we actually did in our clinic a study. This was done by Oralee Marchand, very good, important study about how much force to use in the treatment of each age group. And so it's very, very gentle care that's appropriate to the age and size of the child. And of course, children love their care. <laughs> uh, we have, I have lots of photos and videos of children receiving their care and they love their care. And when they're old enough, they bring in their teddy bear and they adjust their bear. And, um, and so, and then sometimes we show them on the stuffed animal what it is we're going to do so they are comfortable with it and uh and it's uh it's it's a it's a very pleasant atmosphere to be in the uh children enjoy it the parents enjoy it and uh it's it's not at all um frightening or or scary for anyone who participates once the baby has improved we see a lot of grandparents come in next because they feel like well if it helped the baby, it'll surely help me. And uh, then the parents come in and then the cousins and then the aunts and uncles and the poor mother really never gets any care. She's the last on the list. Uh, but I do encourage that she's probably the one who should be first on the list. She does. She's the hero in the story. The mothers are. Absolutely. Well, you had a nice segue into our next article, which was you were talking about some assessment and mm -hmm. our next article is actually all about assessment. Uh, and this is from the British Journal of Midwifery, uh, 2013. Oh, right. mm -hmm. uh, perhaps you could tell us about that. Um, and th this, by the way, uh, is very comprehensive. Uh, I, would, I would highly encourage chiropractors, uh, all chiropractors who do any uh, pediatric care to, to get this and check it out. Uh, but perhaps you could tell us in your own words about the about the study. Yes, uh, that I'd forgotten about that. So thank you for reminding me. We were getting uh, so many questions, so many, uh, the hospitals were asking us to come and talk about what we were doing. They were, because parents were telling them and we were getting all sorts of interest in this from the outside, like what is going on over there? So we decided to take a look at how much injury is there really in newborns? And of course, there are at least a thousand articles and we selected the very best ones. Uh, and all of these come from medicine because they well document the early injury uh, some of which are life-threatening, of course, and some of which are not, like clavicle fractures, for example. So we documented the injury, 
And what we could, what we found out is that, of course, it just makes sense that severe and moderate injuries, life-threatening injuries, are dealt with immediately in the hospital. They're dealt with brilliantly and almost always successfully. But the mild injuries are overlooked and not really dealt with, and the parents are sent home. And so we've had so many newborns with clavicle fractures that have come in and the family didn't know, skull fractures, family didn't know, because, of course, these were not life and death injuries. These were considered usual injuries of childbirth. And so that's why we looked at that research to see what was, what the playing field was really like. And because we had been seeing these babies with mild injuries coming in all along. And so, and, and often the mother says, well, why didn't my pediatrician tell me this? Why didn't my GP tell me this? Why didn't my midwife tell me this? And so we had to explain that these are not life and death injuries. They are very busy working with those big, important, difficult injuries. These are quality of life injuries. And this is something that we can handle. And they were always very happy with that discussion because they understood it then, why these hadn't been detected before. And of course, we did in the research, we found that most of the clinicians, the pediatricians, the GPs, the midwives, and so weren't educated in musculoskeletal health of the newborn. And so a lot of the times, that's why they weren't necessarily detecting the injuries. And if they did detect it, they didn't necessarily know what to do with it. And that's partly why they were sending them to the chiropractor. And so we saw that there was a real niche position here where we could help families with the things that were bothering their children a lot at home, um, the irritations, the pain, the inability to feed well, the inability to sleep on their back. I mean, we all know that supine sleep is essential because of the back to sleep program. And it is the safest position to sleep in to prevent sudden infant death syndrome. And yet if you have a baby who cannot sleep on their back, you're very worried about that. And if you go to the GP, there was nothing that they knew to do. If you go to the chiropractor, we can treat that. And before they leave the office, they are able to sleep comfortably supine. So we realized from doing this research that there really was uh, an important position uh, for chiropractors in infant care. And that was really why we were getting so many referrals from medicine. And um, that was a that was, and I do, I do recommend people reading that, and I believe it is open access article as well. Okay, great. Now I'll I'll try to put a link to that as well as to your to your book and and the other articles that will be, uh, you know, that we're going through today, so that people can get access to them. That's terrific. I, I was really struck when I went through this article that we're talking about now in terms of the musculoskeletal assessment about how these mild injuries if you will, uh, can create such downstream effects. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if, if the baby is um, having, you know, 
let's say a musculoskeletal issue that a chiropractor can deal with, that may lead to uh, inappropriate or perhaps um, averted breastfeeding, uh, postural issues. I mean, all sorts of all sorts of things that you know are probably not what the parent wants, and definitely not what the infant is going to want later in life. Yes, that's true. And we don't. The problem we have, Dean, and this you bring up a really good point, is that we don't know how many of those children will recover on their own. We know that some will. But we also know from the colic research that some won't, and they will end up having to deal. Of course, they won't realize what the problem is. And, and that's the issue here, is that if the family doesn't know or understand what the problem is, if the, if the baby can't breastfeed, for example, the Parents and the doctor might say, okay, well, this baby just so happens it's one of those you have to formula feed. We don't let any babies starve in our society. That's why we opened a breastfeeding clinic, because mothers know that breast is best. Mothers know it is the healthiest uh, food for the baby, not only short-term, much better growth patterns, but also long-term, fewer allergies, less asthma. Um, fewer cardiovascular conditions, even into old age, uh, less obesity. So it is really primary and important to allow these babies to breastfeed. But sometimes there's a biomechanical factor. In fact, there often is. And of course, so we had a very busy breastfeeding clinic where we teamed up with midwifery to teach the mother how to breastfeed, which usually isn't where the problem lies. Uh, unfortunately, but we do start with that to make sure that the knowledge is there. And then we look at the baby to see what the physical problem is, why they can't breastfeed. And that's a solvable problem. And I, a research I didn't send you um, shows that babies are from four to eight times more likely to be able to breastfeed successfully uh, to the full six months if they've had uh, this type of healthcare. Hmm. So very, very, very important. Absolutely. So you, you have just so much knowledge and experience uh, going through the PhD and teaching other chiropractors. I'm curious before I forget, uh, I wanted to ask you about chiropractors pursuing advanced degrees in pediatric chiropractic and or certification and what, what would you think would be the decision? What should chiropractors be thinking about? Why would they want to go on and and do that as opposed to just being, let's say, a general practice chiropractor who sees infants? Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Well, of course, infants are a very specialized practice. Um, they are not small adults. And uh, unfortunately, there are cases where uh, a baby has gone to see a chiropractor for, let's say, breastfeeding. Um, and this happened in the UK, not in our practice, but in a different practice. And the chiropractor did not recognize that the baby had dehydration and the baby died. Now, the baby had also seen the GP and the midwife, so it wasn't just the chiropractor. They, it, was a, it was a hidden problem. Uh, but we... 
in when in advanced degrees and in our undergraduate in the at the AACC, we teach chiropractors to be able to rule out any potential pathology or problem first, because of course safety is priority. And the advantage to uh, getting some additional education is to keep a very safe practice and to have uh, knowledge about not only what to do, but when to do it. You know, it's, it's very important. Um, and so we, we offer, we offer, you can get a master's degree in chiropractic pediatrics at uh, AACC University College and uh, you can get a diplomate in pediatrics uh, here from the ICA in the USA. Um, and the difference is the master's degree allows you to do some research. So you not only get the clinical, you get the research as well so that you're fully grounded in pediatric care. Great. I really appreciate you going through that. I, I think that will help chiropractors make uh, make their decisions as well as they need to in dealing and taking care of uh, these young young people. Um, yeah, and all education helps. I mean, going to seminars and getting updated and reading the research, it's all very valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's uh, another paper that I'd like to talk about, and this is uh, a really important paper, in my opinion. Uh, it's called Maternal Report of Outcomes of Chiropractic Care for Infants. And it it just, uh, it, it really uh, got to a lot of important concepts. And I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what you were hoping for. And it was a really large number uh, in the study. So perhaps you could tell us about that. This was published in JMPT 2019, by the way. Yes, and well, um, along the way of doing research, you start to realize that it is sort of what I have alluded to before, probably frequently, is that it's really the parent's opinion that counts on whether the baby is better or not. And so we embarked on, if I, if I had known how long it would take, it ended up taking three or four years, uh, I don't know if I would have started it, but we embarked on doing the right thing for families and finding out whether the care that we offered was really what they wanted, how they wanted it, if it worked for them, if they were satisfied with it, and if they felt it was cost effective. I think cost effectiveness is probably the new gold standard of healthcare. Now, keep in mind, uh, we lived in a country and we did this study in a country where uh, all health care is free because it, we have a national health service, except that chiropractic care is not. There is an expense to chiropractic care. So people who choose chiropractic care pay for it and it, you have to determine whether it is cost effective. So we did this study, first of all, asking parents what was important to you and their to them and their child's health and then we did we published that study and then we created an instrument it's called a survey where which included all of the parameters they were interested in and then we tested that survey to make sure it was valid and reliable because that's what you have to do when you do a survey you have to make sure it is actually uh, scientifically rigorous 
And then we put it to the test. And we were going to see how many student or uh, students, how many children could be enrolled in this study, uh, basically before I retired. <laughs> and that's why we got the number 2,000. Um, and uh, 10,000 would be better. It would be nice if we, if we had 10,000 mothers who said chiropractic works and it works well. And not only is my baby, can my baby sleep and feed better and feels better and can turn their head in all directions and can do their tummy time and can sleep on their back, but also the mother feels less anxious, less depressed and has an improved quality of life. If 10,000 mothers said that, I don't think anyone would say, well, chiropractic care doesn't work <laughs> for infants because this is a kind of study that where it's the mother's opinion that counts. And so that is what we studied. And we studied what actually comes in the door. So now we know exactly what the demographic profile is of these children. We use 16 different clinics what their complaints are, how severe their complaints are, how much treatment it took, which was three and a half treatments, how much better they felt, which was uh, very high, very stati statistically significant, that they were much improved, and whether the mother's parents were satisfied and they were highly satisfied. They said they were all satisfied, they said the care was effective, and they said the care was cost-effective. So it was a very big study. It took almost four years uh, to uh, get the survey ready and so on. And uh, but that, but the findings were uh, were credible. And yeah, and, we're and happy with that. That's great. I, I wanted to just list some of the things that you looked at because it's incredible. So feeding problems, sleep issues, excessive crying, problems of supine sleep position, infant pain, restricted range of motion, time performing prone positioning, maternal ratings of depression, anxiety, satisfaction. I mean, wow, that's a lot. Well, this is what comes in the door, you see. So that's, we, we really left it up to them. What what kinds of things are bothering you, families? And this is what they said. So that is what we studied. So we looked at exactly what parents wanted and whether we could satisfy those needs. Hmm. What, what do you think are the next steps uh, to conduct in this line of research? Well, of course, we have to continue with this type of study where it's called uh, parent reported outcomes measures because this is what uh, basically World Health Organization, National Institute of Health, every major uh, CDC, every major health uh, body has said that uh, clinicians need to show that their care works for their patients and their patients are ha happy. So we need to continue with these kinds of reported outcomes. Um, of course, in an ideal world, we'll also have more studies, more randomized controlled trials. I think if we had one or two more randomized controlled trials in infant colic, we could probably put that to bed. Um, if we, we, 
we need lots more work in suboptimal breastfeeding. We can never do a randomized control trial in that. We actually tried uh, in our town and the, basically the hospital ethics review board that we went through said, you can't do, you can't put a baby in a control group with no chiropractic care because there's too much evidence that chiropractic care is helpful for this problem. And of course, breastfeeding is hugely important for the quality of life, lifelong for the baby and also for the mother. I forgot to mention it actually, breastfeeding actually reduces the incident of breastfeeding in the, or um, breast cancer in the mother. So, uh, we, we need more RCTs. We need more basic research in what these children are actually coming in, in with. We need some research on back pain in children. Children have got tremendous amount of back pain and neck pain, and especially now that they're all in lockdown and they're all staring at their computers. So um, there's, there's definitely room to do some research in uh, all age groups of pediatrics. No doubt. I was just thinking about that uh, IRB that you got back. I'd frame that. That's amazing. <laughs> That'd be up you on my what? wall. You know what? You're so right. But I can tell you, when you have, when you're seeing, uh, you know, up to 12,000 babies a year are managing that practice, I am, I'm a clinician, first and foremost. I am not a researcher. Uh, everybody who reads my papers probably can see that. I am not a researcher. I am really a clinician who understands the value of the research. So I put my money where my mouth is and I did the research. Uh, but I've seldom had time to stop and smell the roses. I've had to just keep going. <laughs> Joyce, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm in practice still, but you, mm -hmm. you, you are a researcher. I'll just say that clearly. You are okay, a researcher. Okay, well, I, I'll, I'll frame that one then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I want to talk about your book. Um, how, about, how about you tell us about your book, and then I'll ask you questions. <laughs> well, okay. Well, first of all, I wanted to call my book Evidence-Based Babies. <laughs> I have had that in my mind for a long time because I've always thought we are gathering so much evidence that our care helps babies, but my, my uh, editor would not do that. She said, no, it's, you have to call it evidence-based chiropractic care for infants. So it's, that's what it is. That's, that's it, basically, that's what it is in a nutshell. And it is in a nutshell. It's about why evidence matters, what mothers actually want, what are the outcomes, just as we've talked about here. And, quite a bit about crybaby, crybabies, because that's a specialty of mine, and that's long-term and short-term. How to differentially diagnose these babies, uh, in, a lot about that in suboptimal breastfeeding, how we really do examine those children. Um, what musculoskeletal dysfunction looks like in a newborn or a baby. Uh, why on earth these kids would need to see a chiropractor. And how they, how it might work, the actual mechanisms, and of course, quite a bit on safety and the evidence for safety. Um, it's a small book that has about 200 references. And I really was hoping that the car, it's, it's meant for 
I, I have a lot of parents who said, would you please write that book for us? Because they've looked at it and said that they don't quite understand it. So I, I, I should, I, but anyway, it's really for clinicians. It's for somebody who thinks, well, why the heck would a baby go to see a chiropractor? Um, and if chiropractors want to, I think that they should look at the references and read them for themselves and decide for themselves whether, uh, this is, you know, the, the evidence is sufficient or not. Uh, I've laid it out all in one place so that it's there, but I certainly don't expect anybody to believe me. I expect everybody to just pick up the research and read it themselves and decide for themselves. Well, that certainly would be the ideal case, but people don't always <laughs> go to the, <laughs> go to the, uh, I, I would highly recommend, uh, picking up your book. And I, as I said, I'll, I'll provide a link, uh, to that. I, I do have a lot of questions, but I'm going to limit it to maybe, uh, one or two of the most important questions, I think. And, and I think these are questions that, you know, parents would have, um, perhaps even some chiropractors wonder this, but what, what do you think, um, would be the appropriate circumstance or circumstances for a parent to bring their child or infant in this case to a chiropractor? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I do get asked, I get a lot of phone calls about that. And then I ask the mother, well, are, what kind of issues is your child having? And then uh, have you tried, what kind of healthcare have you tried? Turns out that um, about 90% of the children who came to us had seen their GP or their pediatrician before coming to see us. And very often um, in the UK, uh, there's a lot of referral back and forth between healthcare. So a lot of times the GP would send the baby to us. And if they do that, then the parents don't question it. When I talk to them, if they have any of the issues that parents have talk to us about they're having trouble feeding, sleeping, crying. Um, they are uncomfortable in any position. There have some of the older children are having, they used to crawl and then they quit. Uh, or they, they're walking with a limp or they've got bow legs or they've got, um, you know, they, they've got all sorts of things that they call us with. And I think parents intuitively know, um, that their child has some kind of, uh, biomechanical problem. I mean, that's our specialty, really, and is to seek those out and treat them and get the get the parent and the family back on their way hap happily and healthfully. Um, so I usually, you know, when they call me and ask me, I always ask them first, well, what are the problems? And then I can tell them whether chiropractic care might be effective for that or not. I also tell people, there's no problem taking a child to a chiropractor just if you're curious whether a chiropractor can help, because they can detect an injury that others can't always detect and aren't able to find, and they can treat it, and they can do what's called a therapeutic trial, uh, which means they can do a short trial therapy, few treatments, and if it works, everybody's health, happy and healthy. If it doesn't work, the chiropractor can send them to a different clinician that might be able to help. Uh, and the advantage there, because chiropractic has such an excellent risk-benefit ratio, the risks are so low 
there is virtually no adverse events in our practices. The benefits can be very high. So as long as it's safe, parents can bring their child and feel comfortable with that and confident in that. And the chiropractor will tell them if they're not in the right place. Virtually any child can go to see a chiropractor and it could be beneficial. Great. I, I'm really glad you, you went through all of that. It was a really thorough answer. So thanks for doing that. I think that's going to help a lot of, of chiropractors. And, you know, just, just hearing you talk uh, is really comforting for me uh, as well. Uh, again, I don't see a lot of infants in my practice, but I do see some. And, and it's always good to remind yourself of some of the, the basics and, uh, you know, just the, the importance of chiropractic care. We all need that. Um, so thank you for, for going through that. And we can all use it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, absolutely. With the, the way the world is and mm-hmm. remote sessions all over the place and uh, not getting the ex- exercise and uh, people not eating well and lifestyle has just totally changed, it seems. And that's a big, uh, big part of things for sure. Yes, you're so right, Dean. Well, I do want to ask one one last question, and that is, again, something that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast, and that is to share some of your experience uh, in uh, hopefully, uh, you know, offering some advice to chiropractors or students who may wish to become scientists or researchers. Would you be able to give any tips uh to those people who may be thinking about this as a potential career or they're just interested in it? Well, uh, of course, I've spent my life with these young people who have decided they want to go into research, and I'm still doing uh, quite a lot of work in helping them write and do research right now. And I would say uh, it the, the field, if you have any thoughts about it, at all, give it a try. The field is very fulfilling. Just start reading research. Start thinking about interesting questions you have. You know, everybody, every clinician or student clinician has questions that they wonder about. They wonder what the answer is. And of course, research is the way to find answers. You know, the better the question, the better the research, and the more we move the science forward very gratifying field. I would, uh, I, I was urged to go into research when I was a youngish practitioner. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm a clinician through and through. I can't do that, even though I had a big thriving practice and I should have. And, but I always had that nagging thought in the back of me, should I, should I, should I? And of course, when I realized uh, the value of research and, and all those things that I've told you about that. Um, it was it was the right thing to do, and it is a very gratifying career. And just think of how many chiropractors you've been able to help, you know? Think of how many children we've been able to help. Yeah. Th- well, exactly. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the best way to frame it. I guess I was thinking, think of how many chiropractors who can help all those babies, for sure. That's right. That's right. By spreading the word, you help uh, yes, uh, we've tried to quantify it. 
Um, we figured that I saw about 85,000 children before I left my practice. Wow. No, I didn't. I didn't see those directly. I mean, I saw them, I suppose, but I was because I led the program. It's a lot of babies. It's a lot of children. And um, and that's also, you know, that's also gratifying, because if you think all of those children were safe in our practice, you know, just I always say I am here to keep children safe in chiropractor practice and to keep chiropractors safe to treat children. And that means teaching them well so that uh, everyone is safe. Love it. Well, that's a perfect message to leave on. I really appreciate you coming on the interview today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you about your research, your practice, your views on chiropractic and pediatrics. So thanks so much. Thank you, Dean. It was a pleasure and uh, bless you for your service to mankind. Thank you. Well, what a great interview with Dr. Joyce Miller. I'm really excited that uh, we had the opportunity to do that. And I look forward to sharing more chiropractic science interviews with you in the near future. Bye for now.